Holy Father in heaven, thank you Lord for giving us another opportunity to fellowship with you and we understand that our probation is fast coming to a close. Please Father, may these moments spent with you be a means of upliftment to the end that our characters may be transformed into that of, that of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We pray Father, please grant us of your spirit. Without him, we cannot understand your word as we should. We will dress it out of its true meaning. So please, Lord, help us at this moment to take advantage of this devotion to bring about a transformation of character in our lives to the end that we all will be built up into the most holy faith. Put your words in my mouth, dear Lord, and may I speak true words that will bless all your children who are listening. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage October 14 Born Again but he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. John chapter 3 verse 21 Nicodemus had come to the Lord thinking to enter into a discussion with him. But Jesus laid bare the foundation principles of truth. He said to Nicodemus, it is not theoretical knowledge you need so much as spiritual regeneration. You need, you need not to have your curiosity satisfied, but to have a new heart. He, Nicodemus, saw that the most rigid obedience to the mere letter of the law as applied to the outward life could entitle no man to enter the kingdom of heaven. In the estimation of men, his life had been just and honorable. But in the presence of Christ, he felt that his heart was unclean and his life unholy. As the Savior explained to him concerning the new birth, he longed to have this change wrought in himself. Jesus answered the unspoken question. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Nicodemus received the lesson and carried it with him. He searched the scriptures in a new way, not for the discussion of a theory, but in order to receive life for the soul. He began to see the kingdom of heaven as he submitted himself to the leading of the Holy Spirit. For a time, Nicodemus did not publicly acknowledge Christ, but he watched his life and pondered his teachings. In the Sanhedrin council, he repeatedly thwarted the schemes of the priests to destroy him. After the Lord's ascension, when the disciples were scattered by persecution, Nicodemus came boldly to the front. He employed his wealth in sustaining the infant church that the Jews had expected to be blotted out at the death of Christ. 
in the time of peril, he who had been so cautious and questioning was firm as a rock, encouraging the faith of the disciples and furnishing means to carry forward the work of the gospel. He was scorned and persecuted by those who had paid him reverence in other days. He became poor in this world's goods, yet he faltered not in the faith which had its beginning in that night conference with Jesus. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Born Again and this is referring to the final result of Nicodemus' encounter with the truth with Jesus. Reading from John chapter 3, reading from verse 9 to 15, it says, Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Are thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man that hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Amen. These were the words that Jesus spoke to a man who wanted to know what it was to be done, so that he may enter into the kingdom of God. And the same words will be spoken to us if we also ask Jesus, how can we enter into the kingdom of God? The answer he gave in various ways. Jesus talked about being born again. He talked about being born of the water and of the spirit. And then he also here talked about being lifted up. That is the son of man, his crucifixion. And only those who look at that crucified savior. And that looking is not just a looking with the eyes, but with the eye of faith. Only those who look, which is to believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. Something we read today in the devotion that I want to focus on is found in Conflict and Courage, page 293, paragraph 3. It says, He, Nicodemus, saw that the most rigid obedience to the mere letter of the law as applied to the outward life could entitle no man to enter the kingdom of heaven. In the estimation of men, his life had been just and honorable but in the presence of Christ, he felt that his heart was unclean and his life unholy. As the Savior explained to him concerning the new birth, he longed to have this change wrought in himself. Jesus answered the unspoken question, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. End of quote. So, here, Jesus is telling us that a belief in himself as the sin-pardoning Savior, as the one who dies for our sin, is essential for anyone to be saved. 
But was this what Nicodemus believed before? No. Nicodemus believed that his keeping of the law, which is the Ten Commandments and even the ceremonial law, is what is going to save him. And some of us may be in that situation today. Although there's the other extreme of those who believe that they don't even need to keep God's law, just believe that's all they say. That is not the truth. But in order for us to be saved, like Jesus said, it is not about just the keeping of the commandments. There must be a looking at Jesus, which is believing in him as the one who takes away our sins. Now, if I keep the commandments of God and I have sinned once in my life, what is the verdict of God upon me? We are told in Romans 6 verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Eternal life is a gift, it's not something I can work for. Nothing that I do is going to give me eternal life, except of course one thing, believe in Jesus. He that believeth will not perish, but have eternal life. It doesn't say he that keep the commandments will have eternal life. Now, what does that mean? It means that the wages of sin being death needs means that I must die. No matter how much I keep God's commandments, even if it's just once I have sinned in my life, no matter how much I keep the commandments, even if it is with a heart and a motive that is selfless like we discussed in yesterday's devotion, even if my mind is selfless, be it ever so pure, be it ever so holy, as far as I have sinned once in my life, when I go to the court of God and I am judged, that one sin has condemned me. But I need a sin pardoning savior. Somebody must take my place. And who is that person? It must be someone who has never sinned. I have the death penalty on me already and so do you. So you cannot die for me, neither can I for you. And that's why the Lord Jesus came to this earth that he may be the one to die for everyone. He had no sin in his life. Therefore, he looked at himself. He knew that he is someone who had the ability to take the place for my sin and for your sin. And that's why he said in John 3 verse um, 14 and 15, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. He was referring to his crucifixion. And what was the purpose? He said that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. But don't, don't get so hung up on this and forget that if you have the Spirit of God, it will show in a life that does not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Because when we have that eternal life, Jesus comes to us through his spirit and then we will actually keep his commandments because what is the Savior doing for us? Matthew one twenty one. he came to save us from our sins. So you cannot continue in your sin if you are really looking at that Savior as he's lifted up. It is the evidence that the Spirit of God is upon you. You will keep His commandments. While it is not the keeping of the commandments that gives us the salvation, it is the evidence that you have that salvation. The keeping of the commandments is the evidence that you actually looked at that cross. It is the evidence that you actually believe in Jesus. If you say with your mouth and any of us just say, I believe, I believe, how do I know? It is from your character. If you truly believe, it will be shown like Jesus said, the Spirit works like the wind. We see its evidences, but we don't see the Spirit. I cannot see whether you are sincere, whether you say with your, when you say with your lips, I believe. How do I know? I can't see your heart, but I'll see it through your actions. And that's why Jesus said, 
by their fruits you shall know them. We will know whether you really believe in Jesus, whether you really looked at that cross when we see the outward life, when there is a conversion. Reading from the book, The New Life, page 11, reading from paragraph 3 and down what it says. It is the work of conversion and sanctification to reconcile men to God by bringing them into accord with the principles of his law. In the beginning, man was created in the image of God. He was in perfect harmony with the nature and the law of God. The principles of righteousness were written upon his heart. But sin alienated him from his maker. He no longer longer reflected the divine image. His heart was at war with the principles of God's law. The carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Romans 8 verse 7 But God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that man might be reconciled to God. Through the merits of Christ, he can be restored to harmony with his Maker. His heart must be renewed by divine grace. He must have a new life from above. This change is the new birth, without which, says Jesus, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The first step in reconciliation to God is the conviction of sin. Sin is the transgression of the law. By the law is the knowledge of sin. That is 1 John chapter 3 verse 4 and Romans chapter 3 verse 20. In order to see his guilt, the sinner must test the character by God's great standard of righteousness. It is a mirror which shows the perfection of a righteous character and enables him to discern the defects in his own. Let me pause here for a while. What we're reading here is making us to understand what I was saying, the evidence of a converted life. And it's still telling us what we spoke about in yesterday's devotion, that the first work which is given to everyone that the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life is to convict us of our sins. And if we are converted, if we are really reconciled to God, we will be reconciled to His law. If you have really looked at that cross, if you really believe, it is shown in a life in harmony with the law of God. So I'll continue to read it now. It says, The law reveals to man his sins, but it provides no remedy. While it promises life to the obedient, it declares that death is the portion of the transgressor. The gospel of Christ alone can free him from the condemnation of the defilement of sin. He must exercise repentance towards God whose law has been transgressed and faith in Christ his atoning sacrifice. Thus, he obtains remission of sins that are past and becomes a partaker of the divine nature. Is he now free to transgress God's law? Says Paul, Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid, yea, we establish the law. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And John declares, This is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. Romans 3 verse 31, chapter 6 verse 2, and John chapter 5 verse 3. In the new birth, the heart is brought into harmony with God, and it is brought into accord with his law. When this mighty change has taken place in the sinner, he has passed from death unto life, from sin unto holiness, from transgression and rebellion to obedience and loyalty. End of quote. 
So what I have just read is but trust. The point and I pray that the Spirit of God is making us to understand what this is. We are not saved by the keeping of the law. The only thing that can save us is a substitute. I am supposed to die. Only a holy sinless substitute can save me and that is Jesus. No sincere honest keeping of the commandments be ever so sincere and selfless it cannot save me and neither can it save you and that's what nicodemus needed to understand that he needed a savior and jesus was telling him that that's the reason i actually came that just as those um, israelites who sinned against god looked by faith on that serpent and they were saved from the bite of the serpent that was biting them so also with us unless we look unto jesus the author and finisher of our faith we will perish but if we look unto him believing in him as the substitute for our sins and believing in him as the one who will give us power to overcome sin we will not be saved and how do we know that you have looked it will show in a transformed life as we read in the book of romans chapter 6 it says from verse 1 what shall we say then shall we continue in sin that grace may abound god forbid how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into jesus christ were baptized into his death therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin, which is the transgression of God's law, might be destroyed, that henceforth we should no longer serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, died no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he lived, he lived unto God, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Amen. This is the experience of one who has actually looked at the man, which is the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, crucified on the cross. This is the experience of one who has faith in God, one who believes in Jesus as the Savior. We will be dead to sin. Sin will no longer reign in our mortal bodies. We will be born again. We will, like I said yesterday, be baptized into a newness, uh, baptized and rise up into a newness of life, baptized into his death and resurrect again. That is the experience of being born again, like we spoke about yesterday, dipped into the water by immersion, which represents 
death to sin and when you rise up from that water it represents being born again into a new life that the flesh is dead and now we are alive in Christ and we will no longer serve sin. Reading from the New Life page 22 paragraph 1 and 2 it says the faith that is unto salvation is not a casual faith. It is not the mere consent of the intellect. It is belief rooted in the heart that embraces Christ as a personal savior, assured that he can save unto the uttermost all that come unto God by him. To believe that he will save others but will not save you is not genuine faith. But when the soul lays hold upon Christ as the only hope of salvation, then genuine faith is manifested. This faith leads its possessor to place all the affections of the soul upon Christ. His understanding is under the control of the Holy Spirit and his character is molded after the divine likeness. His faith is not a dead faith but a faith that works by love and leads him to behold the beauty of Christ and to become assimilated to divine character. The whole work is the Lord's from the beginning to the end. The perishing sinner may say, I am a lost sinner. But Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. He says, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Mark chapter 2 verse 17. I am a sinner. And he died upon Calvary's cross to save me. I need not remain a moment longer unsaved. He died and rose again for my justification and he will save me now. I accept the forgiveness he has promised. End of quote. Amen. This is the experience that we should be having now. Believing in Jesus that even though we are sinners, he can save us. Don't think that your sin is too great. We can be born again whoever you are. Above all the disciples of Jesus, one person stands out as the one who understood the concept of being born again and the privileges accorded to one who partook of this experience. It is only him who captured this account of being born again. It was John the Beloved, the brother of James. The concept of being born again was popularized by him. This was the part of the ministry of Jesus that really stood out for him. He wrote extensively about it. In the book of John chapter 1 verse 12 and 13, he wrote, But as many as received Jesus, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You see, here he refers to the concept of being born again as being born of God and separate from being born by the will of the flesh or by the will of man. And unless we receive Christ, we cannot be born of God. And it is by receiving his word that we receive him. So I want us to understand, what does it mean to be born of Jesus, to be born of God? Remember that he had said in John 1 verse 12 that those who received Jesus, those are the ones that are given power to be born again. That is, power to become not sons of their human ancestry, but sons of God, which is the experience of being born again, those that believe in his name. What does that mean to be born of God? It is being born by the word of God. The word of God makes us to be born again. 
it is by receiving his word that we receive Jesus because we are told the criteria is that those who receive him John 1 verse 12 as many as received him how do you receive Jesus because it's only those that receive him are given the power to become sons of God where is Jesus so that I can receive him his word that's where he said John 6 verse 63 the words that I speak to you that is the spirit that is the life if we cannot receive his words we cannot receive jesus do you want to be born again you have to be born of the word of god the result of being born again is that we then become sons of god to the extent that jesus is also the son of god we come into a relationship with jesus where we have one father and he is our elder brother understanding this most exalted privilege john wrote in the book of first john 3 verse 1 behold what manner of love the father had bestowed upon us that we i you should be called the sons of god therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not do you understand what he meant sons of god that is the title given to jesus the son of god you also are given this privilege and that's why john says behold what manner of love that jesus did not withhold from us this high and exalted privilege of being called the son of god not servant but son then john makes us to understand that it is a privilege we can experience today now he says first john 3 verse 2 behold now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet, yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. But then there is the outward evidence of that which happens in the heart. The Holy Spirit does the converting work like a wind, like a wind. We saw that yesterday, unseen, but we can hear the sound of it and see its effect as we see trees moving by the effect of the wind. So also he who is born again will be seen making efforts to put sin away from the life and that's why John then said in the next verse from verse 3 downward every man that has this hope what's the hope there the hope of being the son of God anyone who has this hope in him what does he do he says he purified himself even as he is pure and then he defines what he means by purification in verse 4 whosoever committed sin transgressed also the law for sin is transgression of the law and you know I know that Jesus was manifested to take away our sins and in him is no sin. So we have a prototype that we are copying and that is our Lord Jesus. We are purifying ourselves even as he is pure and it is the word that purifies us. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharp as a two-edged sword. And it goes down to our bones and the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of our thoughts and the intent of our hearts and there is nothing hid from him with whom we have to do and what does the word do to us it purifies us and john is saying you know jesus came to take away our sins verse 7 he then says little children let no man deceive you he that doeth righteousness is righteous even as he is righteous he that committed sin is of the devil for the devil sinned from the beginning for this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Amen. And this is why in the book of 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 we are told, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new.
In concluding his counsel to Nicodemus, Jesus then said to him those words which have become the Christian mantra today, words which show the great love of God, words which if properly and sufficiently appreciated will cause great contemplation and sobriety, will also cause joy and watchfulness. Jesus said, John 3 verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now verse 17 and 18, people don't usually don't know this one very well but you must know it. It says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Do you brethren and sisters listening to me understand these words? The first time any just meaning of these words sunk into my sin-laden brain, I was in deep contemplation of the love of God and I got to understand something of God's love. I am condemned already. Jesus did not come to condemn me. My sins have already condemned me. Jesus came to save sinful, weak, wretched, miserable me from my sins. I condemned myself. I destroyed myself. I was lost but the Father, God, who has been so maligned and misrepresented as the one who is angry. It was He who sent Jesus. Jesus didn't just come of His own accord. The Father sent Him, His only Son, to die for my sins, that through Jesus I may be saved. Oh, let me be saved, that the blood of Jesus may not be shed in vain on my behalf. May I be saved that his sacrifice may not go to waste. But if I am condemned, Lord have mercy, it will not be because of my sins, but because provision was made for me to be saved and I rejected it. Jesus said in verse 19, And this is the condemnation, that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And going on, that's John 3 verse 20 now and 21, For everyone that doeth evil hateth that light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. Do you love the light? What is the light being referred to? The light is Jesus as represented by his law. Proverbs 6 verse 20, My son, keep thy father's commandments and forsake not the law of thy mother. 21 down to 23 says, Bind them continually upon thine heart and tie them about thy neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. And Jesus said, It is those who hate the light that goes away from it. Those who love evil, they go away from the light. We must love the light if we must be saved. 1 John 3 verse 7 to 9 explained that to us when John said, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. And then he said, He that committed sin is of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. If there is still sin in our life, that is the work of the devil. And verse 9 says, Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. 
these words that God's that Jesus spoke to Nicodemus was a blessing to him as we read in our devotion that he received the lesson and he carried it with him he searched the scriptures and little by little this man began to change his life Nicodemus became born again and I pray that as we go through the lesson now of Nicodemus we also will take this opportunity to begin our lives again and be born again even if you have experienced it before we must be born again and have this conversion experience every day it is not a once in a lifetime thing it must be done again and again it says that Nicodemus later became a firm and bold confessor of Christ all these things are examples for us Nicodemus responded to the message of Jesus we are standing in the same position that Nicodemus stood 2,000 years ago. He became a changed man. How about me and you? What will be your response? What will be my response? May we be partakers of this experience of being born again. Let us pray. Loving Father in heaven, we thank you Lord for the provision that has been made that we will not commit continuing our sins. But a provision for us to be born again has been made for us, Lord, we thank you. That if we are condemned, it is not because of the things we have done in the past, but because another opportunity has been given to us and we rejected it. I pray, Lord, that we shall not reject this opportunity. May your word begat us. May we be born of your word. May we be born again of the Spirit, O Lord, that we may be partakers of your kingdom and give to us a heart of flesh and take away our heart of stone that we may reflect uh, the image of Jesus that we will purify ourselves even as he is pure thank you Lord for hearing and answering our prayers in Jesus name I've prayed Amen